My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today, and it's about time, is Greta Heinemann. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here. You got the best podcast voice. Well, no, it just starts off good, and then it becomes like this when I get really excited. No, I think it's great. I love it. Thank you, Greta Heinemann. I already like you. I'm so excited that I'm here because I I don't know if anybody told you, but what? like I used to listen to your podcast like before I ever got stabbed. That is crazy. And so this is kind of a weird, odd 360. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Was uh-huh. that, was that, let's see, I'm, I'm looking here. You came out here in 2009. Mm-hmm. So you could have actually been listening even, even before you came to the United States. Has it been that long? No. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the, the <laughs> uh, what was his name? Oleg the assistant is that was that his name Oleg no not Oleg I'm messing it up but I like that but there's there was one guy who was standing out uh, outside the agencies with a sign oh, to get high Nick 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 Alexi Alexi that's the name and you were mentioned when he was on the show just a couple of weeks ago that is he, so weird. he said oh I ran into Greta and I was like this Greta woman I ran into him everybody yes. in the world talks that about so her funny. and it's time to have you on. Carol Kirshner loves oh. you. Lee Jessup loves you. I have clients who are friends of yours. Josh Renfrey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've got three people literally on the couch right now. Yes. Okay. Um, Nadia, especially, <laughs> who is a fan of yours. So yeah, so it's about time. But should we tell everybody what you actually do? Mm, sure. Okay, okay, here we go. Let's so, try. So Greta currently works as producer on the staff of NCIS New Orleans. She has been named a CBS Writers Mentoring Program Fellow, as well as a Humanitas New Voices Award winner, which, and that is not, not easy, you guys. It is mm-hmm. not easy. And in 2018, her feature, Anatomy of a Breakdown, won the final draft Big Break Grand Prize. 2018, that's right now. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. Hey, let's start with that. Tell me about Anatomy of a Breakdown. Um, it was a feature that I wrote uh, while I was on TV staff, um, because when you're on, on staff, you can't write, develop TV oftentimes. So uh, I wrote a feature, and it was it's a cop thriller about a female cop who um, finds herself on top of a kill manifest by a former colleague who um, basically claims that for racial reasons he was bullied out of the force. And so the whole thriller becomes a 24-hour romp of her trying to stop the cops from shooting this man out in the streets um, because she thinks he might be innocent. Well pitched. Well, it was kind of straight out of nowhere, out of thin air. Well, Um, but I tried. Probably with what you're doing these days, you're probably getting used to just pitching constantly. Jazz hands. Yeah. I, it, you know, it's like for a German, and I'm German, so for me that might have actually been the hardest thing to learn, which is pitch with, with passion and confidence. Because, like, Germans are very, like, here are the data and the facts and the this and the that, and now I'm, like, jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear that from people who come here 
from pretty much every country except mm-hmm. ours. You know, there's there's the don't be a tall poppy kind yes. of feeling in, in every other country but in the United States. The one mm-hmm. thing we are known for, one thing I've realized as I'm as I'm traveling uh, around the world is is our confidence yeah. slash arrogance. You know, but you have to you have to take on that confidence. You have to pitch yeah. as though it it it's important and uh, and it's something that everybody should read. Well, if you don't believe in your pitch, nobody else will. Exactly. So. Exactly. So what is happening now since Big Break or since it's getting some attention and, you know, I'm sure your agent, your manager are all mm-hmm. like psyched about about that win. But what are you doing with uh, with that feature? Um, we, we took it out pretty wide. Okay. Um, so Jeff Portnoy, my manager, and uh, Anna Flickinger and Charlie Ferrara at uh, UTA mm-hmm. uh, tried to take it out wide. I I honestly don't know where it's all been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten some really positive feedback. Um, sadly, no, no firm bites yet. Not yet. Um, but, but it's been the summer. Yeah. Did you take it out during the summer, or did you? Uh, in the spring. In the spring. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. I'm 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 neither defeated nor uh, um, nor, nor thrilled. I guess whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fine. And you know, honestly, I think if if you get a feature out. And if you win a competition like that, the the sale is is such an elusive unicorn that 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 as a goal to me sounds crazy. So if you can leverage that to get new relationships and go on generals and maybe get an assignment or maybe even just use it as an intro for your next piece, then that's already half the battle. And then if if anything more comes from that, that's beyond crazy. And also being a TV writer, right? Mm-hmm. This is you're you're taking sort of this double approach, right? I'm you're getting meetings about the feature, but you're also currently a, a TV writer. Um, does your do you think this feature script will also get you more TV meetings, or do you think that um, you'd like to pursue these two paths independently? Um, it, it depends. I mean, honestly, I think I'm one of the writers who just can't help herself but write. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that feature not necessarily for strategic reasons other than be writing and, and, and have a passion project. So I didn't necessarily write it to carve out two tracks of my career. Um, I also don't know if it's good for staffing because what I hear is that a lot of people just don't want to read a feature for TV staffing because hmm. it's a lot of pages, <laughs> uh, lots of words. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, I, in, in my ideal world, I would like to, to um, continue to climb the ladder on TV and then uh, work on, on features during the night hours and, and uh, do that because I think it's fun. Well, let's talk a little bit about your work process and your, I mean, clearly you've got a strong work ethic, but you have uh, turned out scripts that have gotten you uh, the mentoring uh, program fellow from CBS, um, Humanitas Award, um, and of course, you know, winning this this contest with Big Break. So you're doing something right, okay? <laughs> so so uh, tell me a little bit first about your approach to coming up with story in general. Mm-hmm. When you've got a new idea and you've decided this is going to be my next script, what do you do next? Um, okay, that's interesting. Well, first of all, I, I rarely ever come up with an idea and go, like, this is it. This, this is, is going to be awesome. No, that's uh, rare. Uh, I usually try to figure out sort of where I'm at emotionally um, because for me, uh, the writing that I do for myself needs to have some sort of a re- resonance emotionally. Um, so 
it's easier for me to connect if I can say, oh, this is going on in my life. Or, you know, at the time I was writing this feature, I was just seeing what's happening to to this country that I have just become a citizen and, and, and things like that. So I, um, I had something to say about it. So I try to identify what that is first. And then I usually, you know, keep a running log of ideas. And then there's always those few that just don't stop, you know, circulating in your head. Um, and I usually sit on them. I mean, I think uh, anatomy of a breakdown, I probably sat on for like a year and a half before I actually started writing it. And uh, I just finished a pilot that I probably was told to write for the last four years. Um, so I just wait until I figure out what the one thing is that doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once I get into that, I start with, you know, just a treatment. Then from the treatment, I break it. Features I sequence um, in TV, I just break it in acts. Then my outlines are very uh, huge and uh, detailed. Like, I'll basically write, like, a 25-page outline for a TV pilot and a 40-page outline for a feature. And then I write the script. Okay. Now, what... what, what uh what does writing the dense outlines do for you? How does that help you? Um, as I just recently learned in a very painful experience, it's just so much harder to write the script if you don't have no clue what's going on. Uh-huh. And uh, so usually for me, if I, if I write my outline, I see every moment of the script. And I had a writing mentor who would see, say basically see every second of your film or your pilot. And so I need to see it inside my head, and that's the outline stage. And then when I actually write the draft, I can do that, like, in very little time. Now, when you got to, because a lot of people are applying for these fellowships, mm-hmm. applying for uh, competitions, um, once you got to a stage where there was an interview process, mm-hmm. tell me uh, a little bit about your secret sauce when it comes to that. Because hmm. everybody, that's where everybody gets really, really nervous. Okay, And sometimes yeah. they feel like that's the part that lost them. What, what do you find people have responded to in, in that part? Um, I think, okay, that's, it's a couple of, of factors that go into it. First of all, I always try to figure out who I'm going to sit next to before I go into an interview. And if, for example, um, the person I'm going to sit with has written a book about how to give a good interview, I'm going to read that book and uh, prepare myself accordingly. So so there's the legwork, and I think usually, especially at the, the uh, diversity programs or the fellowships, people know if somebody is a hard worker because they do their homework, because they research the people. So that's one part. I think the other part also is to have um, a, a simple and identifying personal story that doesn't make you one of the people. Um, so, you know, I always use the example, if you go in and you say, oh, well, I went to USC and I majored in film, and then there's 500 more people who did exactly that. So no offense to well-educated people. But <laughs> my, my story is a little different in that um, when I was 11 years old, I ended up living alone in an 11-bedroom house without parents. So I grew up like Pippi Longstocking and did a lot of crazy things and um, some maybe crime-bordering. And uh, when I was 14, I watched Terminator and decided I was going to learn English and become a Hollywood writer. And then I learned English watching Baywatch and later The Shield and uh, worked my way over here. So... You know, what's interesting about that story, the way that you just told it, too, is it almost feels like there's a three-act structure to it. You know, you, you mm-hmm. gave the first act of you at 11. You gave 
the second act of you, you know, sort of setting, having set a goal and going for it at 14. Right. And then the third act of, of big Hollywood writer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's the <laughs> part I'm at. But that's the, that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think uh, it's actually interesting. I think Glenn Mazzara says that it's like if you give an interview um, and you introduce yourself, introduce yourself like you would introduce an interesting protagonist of a story as the underdog, but make sure that by the end of the meeting, it's clear that you also are the hero. Um, and so I think if you give people that specific pitch, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know how many German lesbian writers are out there who learned English watching Baywatch and The Shield. <laughs> so uh, with that pitch, people can go to their bosses and say, hey, I met this girl, and that's, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm a little distracted by the Pippi Longstockings things because I love Pippi so much. Um, so did you have a big white horse hanging out in your kitchen, or no? It's just, just kind of like... Un- unless a big white horse is a metaphor for drugs. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. Then uh, no, I did not. I had a cat that I hated because I love dogs. Um, no, okay, but I had a lot of friends at my house. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my goodness! It, I ended up basically being sort of the halfway house for all the the troubled kids that had nowhere to go. When you came out here, did you come out with uh, any parental guidance? Did you come out no. with? So you came out here all by yourself? Mm-hmm. I came out here all by myself with the money that I saved up, and I found myself an apartment of Craigslist, which at the time I didn't know was shady. Okay. <laughs> and then I arrived at LAX and found my way sort of like it was like by Fairfax and Melrose. And uh, I ended up going to this apartment, and the landlords go like, oh, can you pay your $900 rent, and we're leaving tonight to go on a trip. And I was like, this all seems really shady. It might not actually be their apartment. I'm just paying them $1,000. I don't know what's going on. And I literally, like, the first night I slept with my passport and my laptop under my pillow, like, waiting, basically, for the police to come in and be like, hey, ma'am, you're squatting in this house. Oh, my God. And it was my first, uh, it was my first time in an English-speaking country ever. It was my first time flying alone. Wow. And uh, so there's that. Oh, my. Oh, my God. <laughs> Odd. Um, are you considering writing anything by autobiographical? Well, um, I don't think that autobiographical stories always make the most interesting. Oh, this, um, this one does. I just want to let you know. Well, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of finding uh, ways to take elements. And I actually, the, sure. the funny thing that I brought up earlier, the pilot that I just finished that people told me I should write for a long time had, draws a lot from that experience. Oh, my gosh. No, see, at this point, I just want to adopt you. I just want to, can I take you home and parent you for a while? But that's like, that's a whole other that's, podcast. This is where it's getting awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, you don't want that trouble. Tell me about NCIS at New Orleans, okay? Yes. So how long have you been on the show? It was my first staff job ever. And miraculously, uh, this is my fourth year on it now. Fourth year. Uh-huh. So are, you must be really enjoying yourself. Yes. Yeah. Loving every day. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, so as far as, look, you know, NCIS, right? It, it, it has huge fans, right? It has huge longevity. There's also, I would imagine, a bit of a formula from time to time. Yes. Especially in terms of... Um, uh, hitting certain act breaks. Mm-hmm. I, is there any way, sometimes I put people on the spot this way and I hope it's okay. I'd love to know sort of what you hit at each act break. So at the end of act one, we need this. At the end of act two, we need this. Right. Is there, 
do you have that in your head? Hang on, you're, you're, you're asking me to spill the secret sauce of yes, a TV would... franchise that's like 17 years old? Uh, maybe. <laughs> All right, fine, let's do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it depends, though, and I'll be honest. Um, since I've been on the show, I think we went through three or four showrunner changes, and so every showrunner has a different vision um, for for what it is. But usually, I mean, we are a teaser and four acts, so that means reverse engineering it that by um, the end of Act 3 is always Dark Knight of the Soul, and we've almost lost everything, and the bad guy's gone, and then the first beat in four is usually the takedown. Um, and does, does the takedown come out of the dark night of the soul where it's sort of like I've hit bottom, but aha, I now can see the answer. Well, I think it's almost like the, the middle of act three is like, ah, we're going to lose whatever it is, TBD MacGuffin. If we don't figure this out, then we figure it out and then we go and run and gun, but the bad guys get away or something like that. Got it. So it's always something to that extent. And then, um, the other sort of goal that we have is that by the end of the teaser we want people to know what this episode is going to be about um and then one and two usually have a bigger like a a turn uh end of one is usually it's not this it's that Mm -hmm. and then two is sort of a twist interesting roughly no no this is good to know because look i don't think that (coughs) that gives away how you do it it gives away what your goalposts are right um so I'm always curious on, on shows like this. How do you find new crimes? Oh, boy. Uh, you ever go out and just commit some so you have some TV material? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> I should. <laughs> um, look, I think what's, what's interesting about these procedurals is that, that they evolve with society in a sense. You know, um, As we watch headlines and as we see things develop, we can always come up with new stories. Um, I just, for example, I'm currently breaking a story, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm breaking a story where we're leaning into some medical um, breakthroughs that I just recently read about. Um, and, and you know, if you just keep up with, with spy stuff that's happening all over the world right now, mm-hmm. you've got a bottomless pit of oh, stories. That's true. That's yeah. true, because NCIS is military crimes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, has anybody ever come to you and said, like, okay, you are you're getting in the way of military intelligence or you're spilling secrets or um, how did you know that? Or, you know, you can't say this because it will compromise right. our safety. Um, actually, our show is working pretty closely with the Navy. Mm. So, so they, they look at what we're doing and they tell us if they have issues with it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Has that, uh, have, are, they must give you, uh, you know, a pretty loose rein because you've got to, put this out, you know, year after year, <laughs> the look on Greta's face is like, well, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, they give us a loose rein in the matters that they don't care about. Got it. And then there's some matters that they, they care strongly about. Now, you know, as somebody with such a diverse background who, like you said, there's, um, you know, you're looking at your own projects and is this you know, something that you resonate with. Hmm. Um, are you interested in sort of a, a change in the industry um, and maybe even in NCIS? I realize you only have sort of so much control, but are you interested in telling certain kinds of stories on TV? Anything that you think is missing? Anything you'd like to see more of? Yeah. <laughs> the short answer is yes. Because that was a long, um, just that. Drawn out question. It was, it, it was a good question. Um, 
I think that um, for me personally, Greta the writer, not not Greta the writer on NCIS. Um, I certainly um, have have ideas of what stories I would like to tell and what stories I feel like are missing, and uh, and I certainly feel myself drawn to explore those avenues. Um, what comes with the obligation of working on a show is that you're working for a showrunner and for a network, and so I would say that that NCIS might not be the vehicle to tell certain stories that I'm passionate about. Um, but that is my job. Like, I think that's one of the biggest learning experiences as a staff writer is you come in this job and you, you bring your, your own background, but you also realize that you need to um, help further the vision of the showrunner. So my job there is to figure out what my showrunner wants to tell and uh, hopefully pitch into that. And then I can go home and spend my nighttime hours or off hours that I have so many off, um, not uh, <laughs> writing my own thing. And, and so the thing that, let's say that, we'll just play in this guy. Mm-hmm. Let's say that Grena is running a show in, oops, sorry. You're shooting me with your pen. I am, I am, I am. Grena's not going to run a show if you shoot I her know, out. I know, I uh, know. Let's say, let's give you, let's give you five years so nobody at NCIS gets scared. Okay. So <laughs> in five years, you're running a show. What would that show look like in terms of genre, form, uh, the kinds of stories you're trying to tell, theme. Mm-hmm. So I always say that as a writer, my brand is effed up people doing effed up things. <laughs> um, censoring myself to say that is a big achievement. <laughs> um, you did well. It's good. Um, so my show would certainly be about that. I like complicated, complex, dysfunctional um, lead characters who do complex and you know screwed up things. I would um, watch this show. Good. I always say I'm, on the show you can hear me say all the time. I was like really bad people doing doing terrible things. So but, I'm, but I'm your audience. Like, and you need to why. be relatable. I mean, we all are screwed up, especially if you're a writer. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> like there's a reason why you became a writer. So so I like to see human people, mm-hmm. uh, flawed people, and and I like to see people doing the the bad the wrong things for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would probably be the thematic world I would play in and it would probably be a cable show if something like that still exists in five years <laughs> um, and the tone would probably be very dark and gritty with maybe the occasional dark German humor which is not funny <laughs> you know I taught in Germany last year and everybody was so serious lovely oh no they were they were lovely and they were funny and they were pleasant and i was like what did did you teach i should go there one day uh i was in cologne at the at the at the film school there Mm. yeah well good for them i'm telling you they would love for you to teach there don't say this Uh, no you're gonna get an email (laughs) my sister lives not far from there oh yeah Mm -hmm. see you can visit your sister Mm -hmm. you can go teach look at me um setting it all up uh, baywatch and the shield yes okay so do you still have a secret Thing for Baywatch? Just curious. Oh, to- I'm like the Baywatch encyclopedia. Really? I, I was the one person who went to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all by myself in the theater. I had a great time. <laughs> yes. And, um, and then also The Shield, which probably actually mm-hmm. was great homework for what you do. Yes. Now. 100%. Um, but also Melrose Place. Definitely. Melrose Place yes, Melrose mm-hmm. Monday. And The Terminator. How many times did you watch The Terminator? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean... Probably equally as many times as I saw Die Hard. <laughs> so there's that. Are you still, are, do you have a favorite show right now that you're binge watching? Favorite show? Ooh, it's hard. I mean, honestly, I just watched 
glow, which I really, really enjoyed, obviously. I think season two is even better than season one. And um, what else am I watching? I watched Animal Kingdom, which is sort of my, like anything John Wells is always my, my joy and pleasure because I think he, he does effed up people right. doing effed up things. Um, what else am I watching? I was just finishing something. That's a pretty good range. We'll get back to from that. Glow, from Glow to Animal yeah. Kingdom. Snow, Snowfall, I'm enjoying. My, like, I'm enjoying. Uh, the Deuce is coming back. Super excited about that. Mm, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't watched either one of those. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I mean, if you're like bleak things like crack cocaine and pornography. I'm all over that with little Pippi Longstocking Done. thrown in. I'm good. Um, I, I want to know about writing in a language that you're not familiar with. You taught yourself English. You were young when you did it. There isn't a... a a German writer I've met who doesn't speak flawless English. Mm-hmm. So, but writing, mm-hmm. writing that kind of um, relaxed conversational dialogue, mm-hmm. what kind of headspace do you get into to make sure that it is feeling not only it's an English piece, it's not only English dialogue, it is American. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I think. If anything, I have an advantage in that I never learned written English, really. Mm-hmm. I learned conversational English. So everything that, that is computing in my head is stuff that I've picked up on TV shows or um, in coffee shops or stuff like that. So so I think I, I probably don't run the risk of writing stilted English, mm-hmm. um, which is the good news. And And the other weird thing is, like, for me... I don't actually translate much in my head because I think in English. And I, I even, you, like when, when I started writing, still back in Germany, I already wrote in English then because the English language actually um, is easier to use to write emotional dialogue. Because just saying I love you is a whole production in German. <laughs> and it's not coming easy. <laughs> and so English is much more accessible. Like, I would say that in English-speaking countries, maybe not Great Britain, but in, in America, uh-huh. um, emotions are more accessible in dialogue, mm-hmm. which makes them more accessible on screen. So, so have you written German language things as an adult? I tried, but yeah. it's... Yeah. Not yet. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> what, so, you know, we do have people listening from all over the world, mm-hmm. and a lot of people write and say, you know, I'm thinking of coming to L.A., so you, you know, you came mm-hmm. here to be a writer as, you know, got something off of Craigslist. What, what advice would you give somebody as far as what to do next? Like, what did you do next yep. that got you here? Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, because I'm German, I'm very planny and I plan ahead in like four year increments and stuff like that. So when I figured out that I wanted to come here, I basically sat down and made a four year plan. I was like, what needs to happen? And the first thing that needed to happen for me was I needed to make enough cash to have a good cushion because I don't have mom and dad to call and be like, hey, stranded in LA. So I needed to make enough cash um, to be able to, to make that jump. And then the next thing I did was I tried to line up an internship which is horribly hard because um, there's, you know, at any given time, there's a gazillion people out here on the street doing work for free. Um, so if you're sitting, in my case, I was sitting in Austria in a little uh, student apartment, and I sent, I think, 250 applications for internships. And I got one yes back, and it was for the knitting channel. <laughs> 
<laughs> and guess what? Even the knitting channel flaked on me in the oh, end. Oh, no. It was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. I also, by the way, I also applied for Galen Hurt's company, Valhalla, that did Terminator. Uh-huh. Didn't hear anything back. And then, uh, like, uh, four and a half years ago, I actually interned there. Oh, how just cool. Just for fun. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so anyway, so I, I sent 250 applications, and I didn't get any back, and then I had to get sort of creative and uh, find your peers, um, which oftentimes in America, a lot of people are, are very um, eager to support, you know, like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up finding um, a lesbian production company and said, look, here's a German lesbian that wants to work for free. What okay. can you do for me? Yeah, sure. And uh, they were like, yeah, if you just fly yourself over and if you just put yourself up and if you just do everything yourself and you just show up here, sure, you can, you work. can work for us. Right. Yes, right, right. So, um, so that's what I did. But at the very least, that gave me a little bit of a direction when I came here. Like, I, I didn't, L.A. is very easy to get lost in, especially if you're a writer and you're trying to get a foot in and then you end up being with a lot of fake people who try to be fake. Um, so that gave me somewhere to go and something to pursue. Um, and then I think the other thing is like, you just need to know that it's not going to be easy, um, and not going to happen overnight. Uh, I came here for three months, then I had to go back, uh, because of visa reasons, uh, worked uh, my butt off to make more money. Then I came back again for three months. Then I left for six months. Then I came back for three months. And then uh, a company sponsored me on a special skilled visa. And then I, I was permanently here with a work permit, which allowed me to work for a company and actually earn money and, and, and be a legal uh, resident in this country. Uh, that being said, that company wasn't anything that I wanted to do as a writer. So then I was like, okay, I got to put in my time here. And, and that allowed me to to take writing classes on the side. And so it was ultim- all in, honestly. Like, it, it was a, I think it was like an eight-year process. And so if you're coming from abroad, that's sort of what you got to get ready for. Sure, sure. Yeah. Even if you're here, it's what you've got to get ready for. Yeah. So, but that's that's uh, great advice, and I think good for people to know, um, especially when it comes to you know getting your community and the fact mm-hmm. that you might have to go back and come, you know. Yeah. But the fact that you kind of like just kept coming back. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Well, I also met my now wife on my third day in the country, so there was not a lot of wiggle room. For me, no. Is, is she's a writer as well. <laughs> no, she actually is a sane person or something, <laughs> something like it. She she's a social worker, so she's the person who actually makes a difference. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent, and also probably has sort of a wealth of material. I would imagine with some of the things that she's coming across, but in a confidential way. Right. right. Yes, of course. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is completely off subject, but currently my my oldest daughter mm-hmm. is at home watching Sound of Music. That's very exciting. Which I found out is where you grew up at the Bavarian-Austrian border where mm-hmm. they shot The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. How about that? So there's that. Uh, and, and actually, I went to university, like, literally right at the foot of the mountains. And um, somebody there made a documentary, and it was called Why the F is Everybody Asking Me If I Know the Sound of Music? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, I don't think every German watches it. So I actually, uh, I've seen bits and pieces, and I'm aware of all of it. But I if you never would like me it. to walk you through absolutely every single musical if, number. We could do that yeah. after after. The would podcast. it entertain you that my kid name was Gretel? Oh my god! See, there's oh that. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. All right, and I actually do have a Dernbel. 
at home as well. Really? Yeah. I feel strongly about it. I see it. another podcast coming on. <laughs> is that like, it might be more like a video blog. Maybe. Because otherwise we can just describe the journal and then people are going to be sad that they don't see and it. So I will let on the page people know that if, uh, you know, tune in because uh, Greta will, will be back in her journal. Well, That's I right. teach her uh, Sound of Music um, show, uh, songs and then we will just perform them together. And we do a German sing-along. Okay. Mm. That'll be really fun. Yeah. And maybe I won't be sick and raspy with my voice that time. Oh, <laughs> I am, again, I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, I'm going to ask you to leave the listeners with um, two pieces of advice, okay? okay? So this would be a writing tip that's not outlining, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so a, a writing tip for outlining and uh, a career tip, something you wish you knew then that you know now. Let's start with, well, actually, either one. I think career is easier. Okay, um, careers, uh, writing career is 50% talent and writing and 50% business. Okay. So especially in the TV industry, you are as much a business and entrepreneur and the CEO as you are a writer. Mm-hmm. So just doing one part doesn't work, sadly. I mean, unless you're like a brilliant creative genius and your uncle happens to be the head of CAA. Yeah, but even even so, uh, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. People. I think I think that's really important, and I think a lot of writers are are, are naturally, you know, shy people who like to be in their room and not, you know, converse and all that stuff. And honestly, that that is one of the most important things in TV. You need to be the person in the room who people like and who you know you can shoot the the stuff with maybe start by telling that story that story that like you had a three sentence story about you mm-hmm. it might be helpful for people to start by talking about themselves practice it a little bit mm-hmm. what's, oh, your, one what's your three sentence story and then you know that that sort of makes you take ownership of who you are mm-hmm. but also gives you an in for when you're talking to people 100 percent. and then maybe three sentences about them yeah. Like, like, what would be your three-sentence story about the p- person you're talking to, mm-hmm. the company, based on yes. what you've read? Because as you said, you have to be prepared. Yeah, it's all about connecting, too. Like, if, I, if I'm in a meeting and I see somebody has a poster of a university on the wall, then I can speak to that. Or You know what I mean? It's all like, if, if, if I have shared interests with you, mm-hmm. then if we both, like, shows about dysfunctional people we can talk about that Uh and then we will walk out together feeling like we shared an experience right and therefore we're more likely to to talk after this right or sing right yeah right you know and then what about writing a writing writing tip that is not outlining so once you're actually writing let's say you're trying to find a great line or you're trying to express uh an action Mm-hmm. Or a visual, and you're trying to write that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for for how you you write expressively? Um, well, I think the it's hard. It's hard to say, but I think the the expressive way to write is to see it, mm-hmm. uh, and it is screenwriting. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm a I would consider myself a visual writer. Like I need to know what the room looks like before I can write the scene in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I oftentimes feel like that helps a lot to guide the reader as well. Um, so that's one thing. But I, I'll, I'll say the one advice that, that I'm trying to remind myself of a okay, lot of times. Sure. Because we sit there, right, and we put so much pressure on ourselves to write the most gorgeous establishing shot of this thing, right? And the more pressure you put on yourself, the harder it gets to write that particular thing. So my advice would be 
to give yourself the permission to write the crappy version because the crappy version is easier to write than anything else and then you can revise it. And sometimes don't you go back and go, ah, oh, that was good enough. Yeah. Right? And then, I mean, I, I overmanage it. never happens to me. <laughs> I just like, the first 15 pages of the pilot I just finished, I probably revised like over 70 times. Really? I'm not joking. It's kind of crazy. I have a lot of clients like you. Yeah. A lot of, lot of racers. I have some, the, the people sitting on my couch right now, they're all nodding because, oh, yeah. because <laughs> if, if you keep bringing in those first five pages, mm-hmm. I'm going to yell at you and group. That's funny. Yeah. I'll but like, but we but, have read this. But it's Let's like the foundation on. of a house. Yeah, you know, you need yeah, to make yeah. sure it is solid. But sometimes that's all you get is the foundation. And like, like we got to build the house now. Well, yeah, as long as you don't, like, you need to finish it. That's, exactly. a, that's a true story. Exactly. Exactly. I am so glad that you were here and we got Thank to you. meet each other finally. I know. Do people, are you a social media person? Do you enjoy being on Twitter or do you, you now just watch your show i i am on twitter um but i will say that i don't use it much because it's an incredible distraction and i spend my time writing sure mm. sure 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 yeah okay so wow. we won't give out that twitter handle no we then. can't it's greta heineman greta so, heineman there's that okay all right and um everybody should watch ncis new orleans is when's the new season on do you know? Uh, <laughs> sometime in September. Sometime in September. Well, that's this month. So everybody check out NCIS New Orleans and look for Greta Greta's credit on there. My my episode is the third one up. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Ooh, so. okay. Should, should happen soon, I guess. Oh, I can't wait to see it. All right. Uh, no, I'm going to watch it. I am. And then I'm going to ask you all kinds of annoying questions. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Very much again. Oh, I should uh, plug plug on the page. I forget. Yes. Um, so on the page TV. What do we have coming up next? Um, well, we've got a TV class at the end of the month, September thirtieth, with Carol Kirshner coming in as Ooh. a guest teacher. She comes in um, in the very last hour to talk about the business side. Mm-hmm. I spend most of the day actually helping you uh, figuring out what what your series is and breaking story on your pilot so please come to class we love teaching that class so that's september 30th can i come yes yeah absolutely i would love it and um, also i'm teaching it in new york new yorkers finally i'm doing this as a three-hour class carol will not be with me so it this is all the content stuff but I promise it'll be worth it to you. It is October 24th. That is a Wednesday night, and that will be from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., and it is on my website. So look for it. Uh, TV Class New York City. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you, Greta. Thanks to all of you for listening, and have a good writing week. (laughs) 